Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 45 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 5, Episode 44 for Part 1 of this two-part case. This episode contains distressing themes, explicit language and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. Evelyn Howells was brutally bludgeoned to death during the evening of August 31st, 1995. Police at first believed the crime to be a burglary gone wrong, but when the focus of the investigation quickly turned to her surviving family, things took an even more insidious turn. Evelyn's two children were adamant they were not murderers. But Glenn David Howells, who was 17 at the time of the trial, 
did admit that he took his mother's life with a hammer to end the alleged torment he was experiencing. He described his home life as insufferable, and the insults he received from his mother were relentless. She chastised him about his weight and his intelligence. Evelyn allegedly called him a fat fuck and as thick as pig shit. It was hell, unbearable, non-stop, every minute of every day, he said. He would later be described by a psychiatrist in court as his mother's body slave. He was ordered to massage her back and cut her toenails. Questioned by his barrister Gary Burrell QC, Glenn Howells was in tears. Some of his testimony was difficult to hear. He often spoke in a whisper. He said he did not believe in God, as if there were one he would not have been the focus of his mother's ire. Evelyn was, according to her son, more of a wicked stepmother than a mother. Addressing the court from the witness box, Glenn Howells testified how his mother had called him a fat little bastard for not doing enough chores around the house. He admitted that he acted out. However, Glenn said he would purposefully get into trouble at school so he would be kept behind and not have to go home. If the defendant and numerous witnesses were to be believed, Evelyn Howells blamed her son Glenn for the death of her firstborn, who passed away after only a few days. Evelyn allegedly told Glenn that he was a mistake. This was said to have almost brought the defendant to suicide. But Glenn claimed he did not take his own life because he did not want to leave his younger brother behind. A psychiatrist who had interviewed Glenn Howells while on remand later confirmed that Evelyn's behaviour towards him was sufficient enough to amount to emotional and mental abuse, which could have led to loss of self-control. When questioned, Glenn Howells admitted that he had a lot of pent-up anger because of his mother. Glenn said that on one occasion when his father was asleep, she had told him how unhappy she was. With a knife in her hand, Evelyn allegedly said she wanted to kill the whole family. I just wanted all the grief to stop, Glenn testified. I wanted to be like a normal kid. I call my friends and have a happy time. The only way was to get rid of the problem. Glenn explained to the jury that he had watched an episode of Crime Watch in which an attack had been carried out with a hammer. It was supposed that mercifully the victim would have likely not felt a thing as they would have died instantly. However, no clarification was ever sought to confirm precisely what case this was in reference to. As the programme never revealed details that would encourage or assist offenders in committing similar crimes, 
It did beg the question, like some of the unverified elements of Glenn's testimony, if it were true. Glenn Howells was asked about the night in question. What happened on August 31st, 1995? Glenn recalled that he was again being chastised for not walking the dog long enough with his brother. His mother told him, You lazy, idle little shit. Take it for a proper walk, then brush your fucking teeth. Go to your room and make no noise. You've spoiled my night. It was at this point Glenn said, armed with a hammer, he walked up behind his mother as she was writing on an envelope. A wave of anger washed over him. I just looked at Mum and got loads of flashbacks. Then my mind exploded and I just struck out, he said. His swing was so furious that blood spatter marked the ceiling. Glenn told his younger brother to get the dog and get out, as he did not want John to see what he had done. In a stark description, Glenn said his mother's skull smashed, quote, like an eggshell. Although Evelyn Howells was not dead and began to moan, Glenn hit her again and again, striking her repeatedly on the head and neck. The then 15-year-old got undressed out of his bloody clothing, which he gathered up with the hammer and placed them in a plastic bag for his brother to dispose of. The brothers set about smashing up the property to make it appear as though it had been ransacked. Glenn firmly told the court there was no plan to kill his mother. It was a spur-of-the-moment decision. He confessed to the court that he had mentioned to his father that he wanted to kill his mother for the things that she had said to him, but denied there was a plot to end her life. Glenn claimed as soon as he did it, he regretted killing her. I wanted her back straight away, he testified. Glenn said he loved his mother. He had, according to the defendant never wanted to hurt her. The defendant's barrister positioned his client as another victim who had been subjected to a life full of verbal abuse, torment and to a degree physical abuse. It was suggested to the jury that Glenn only bludgeoned his mother to death as he was provoked. Glenn Howell's younger brother John also spoke of the relationship he had with his mother. In spite of the reported abuse, it was known she saw him as her favourite. John's testimony about the events of that night followed his brother's, at least in part. He was made to give his mother a pedicure and foot massage before she began screaming about the amount of time her sons had walked the dog. 
then John would witness his older brother bludgeoning their mother to death. He screamed, no, no, and both boys were crying. After the attack, John Alexander Howells admitted to his defence counsel, Aidan Marin QC, that he helped dispose of Glenn's bloody clothing and the stonemason's hammer used in the killing. John, who had since turned 16, confessed that they had discussed various methods through which they would dispatch their mother. However, after a failed attempt the week before the incident, of which his father was aware, John no longer thought that they were going through with the plan. John Howells admitted that his father was involved to some degree. The children had discussed killing their mother for several years, but it was only in the last year of Evelyn Howells' life her husband became part of the equation. John Howells testified, We thought about throwing her off the balcony on holiday, or pushing her into the road. In his first interview with the police, John was asked what exactly happened. He had first said that he was the one to pass Glenn the hammer. But when John testified, from the stand he claimed he could not remember exactly what he did. The defendant was asked by Gary Burrell QC representing his brother if Glenn killed their mother because he wanted a normal life. John replied, That's what we all wanted. John described the verbal abuse he was subjected to by his mother and he even mentioned an occasion when he was pinned up against the wall and she screamed in his face. While the brother's testimony was highly emotive, especially Glenn's description of the abuse he suffered, it was being argued by the prosecutor that the killing was not an impulsive act. However, that did not stop a long line of witnesses testifying about Evelyn Howell's behaviour towards her children. Residents of Dalton Green Lane in Huddersfield spoke of how they could never relax in their garden because of the constant stream of cursing. A former neighbour, Margaret Drake, who used to live near the Howells family, recalled some of the nights when she heard screaming from the bathroom of their home. The witness said, It wasn't the normal cry of a child misbehaving. It was almost as though she was drowning them. I never saw any mark on the children, but I saw her smacking the children on their body, on their back, on their bottom, on their legs. They were inappropriately treated, and I was concerned for them every day. According to the witness, Evelyn was highly strung and aggressive. Margaret Drake said Evelyn cursed a lot, particularly at her eldest son. Quote, fucking this, bastard that. The witness told the jury she hated the evenings and regretted not informing Child Protective Services. 
while the accounts provided by the two Howells brothers seem to remain relatively consistent, at least in relation to the night in question. The testimony provided by their father, David Howells, differed greatly. While he claimed his children were subjected to verbal and emotional abuse at the hands of their mother, something which Howells admitted that he did nothing to stop, he claimed the account provided by his youngest son, John, was not accurate. Asked by prosecutor Franz Muller QC if John told, quote, wicked lies to get himself off the hook at his father's expense, David Howells agreed. That's what it seemed like, Howells testified. He was trying to make it easier for himself by maybe trying to spread the blame on all three of us. All I'm saying is I wouldn't have expected my son to say that. The prosecutor continued to suggest that Howells knew about the plot to have Evelyn killed. Surprisingly, Howells never asked his neighbour what had happened that night when he returned home from the pub, in spite of being told something terrible had occurred in the house. Franz Muller QC proposed this was because the defendant was well aware of what had befallen Evelyn. Howells admitted his sons had spoken about killing their mother, but he told the court that the idea they were plotting to murder her was nonsense. I do not get my children to do my dirty work, he said. David Howells told the court in spite of his wife's affair, they had a strong marriage for a long time. The loud shrieks and arguments his neighbours heard were described as a difference of opinion. In respect of the secret recordings in which David Howells could clearly be heard discussing a murder plot with his children, he claimed that he was helping them as he had learned of what they had done. After all, he said, they were my sons. According to the defendant, anything on the tapes which referred to his involvement in a plan to kill his wife was only a way to comfort his sons. He said he only started talking about a murder plot after learning what his sons had done following their arrest. Howells told his defence counsel Stephen Hawksworth QC, I was left with no option but to try and help them the best way I could. I just offered my help. Over the course of four weeks, the jury at Leeds Crown Court heard evidence that Glenn Howells had killed his mother. That fact was not in dispute. The Crown argued that David Howells and his sons murdered Evelyn to inherit her estate and rid themselves of a troublesome wife and mother. Barristers for each of the defendants argued that Glenn Howells was provoked due to the continual abuse he claimed he suffered. Despite the recordings made in which a murder plot was disclosed, and the admission from the brothers that they had mentioned a plan to kill their mother, according to the trio, 
Evelyn's death was the result of provocation. The jury discussed the three charges for almost eight hours over the course of two days before they reached a verdict for each of the defendants. Their decisions were unanimous. David Howells and his two teenage sons, Glenn and John, were found guilty. The trio would not receive a single penny from Evelyn Howell's estate, most of which was reportedly being given to Russell Hurst. Hurst, however, insisted that he did not want the money, and he would be giving it to charity. In an interview at the doorstep of his home, he spoke about how he had turned his back on his godchildren and voiced his thoughts about Evelyn. They were printed in the Aberdeen Press and Journal. I'm glad it's all over and justice has been done for Eve. I did love her. I still do. She was a lovely woman who didn't deserve to die like that. Mr Justice Elliot decided to refer sentencing as he sought to learn more about the events. He told the court, I feel now even that although I entirely endorse the verdicts of the jury, I don't know the whole truth. Defence barristers reached told by the judge that he hoped their clients would put him in a better position to do justice. David Howells and his two sons were instructed that they had 24 hours to explain what exactly happened before the judge decided on their minimum terms. After the verdicts, a source within West Yorkshire Police spoke about how the brothers had developed a level of infamy before their arrests. They'd been nicknamed the Craze. Accounts of the boys' behaviour slowly came to the fore. They had committed some minor crimes throughout Dalton, stealing hubcaps along with vandalising fences in the neighbourhood. A reporter for the Mirror newspaper was told, They looked more like Laurel and Hardy than the Craze but they got the name because they were notorious for petty crime. A Huddersfield resident who did not want to be named also spoke with the Express newspaper, describing how the boys had a grudge against everyone. Both were bullies, and they would smash people's windows in just for the fun of it. Whenever they were allowed out of the house, they roamed about looking for trouble. We often saw them drinking on street corners, but had no idea where they got their money from. 
Some of Evelyn's friends felt the way in which she was being portrayed in the press was unfair, and her sons were lying about what happened to obtain a lesser sentence. But despite discussing a murder victim, members of the faculty at Newsom High School where Evelyn used to teach did not hold back. Although some staff were slightly more diplomatic when voicing their thoughts, one teacher, Maureen Smith, told reporter Lisa Salmon that Evelyn was disturbed. She maintained an atmosphere of fear in the classroom, such as I have never seen in 26 years. During mitigation before sentencing, Glenn Howell's barrister Gary Burrell QC told the court that no one really knew what went on that night, but it was David Howells who was the architect behind his son's actions. Howells knew many of the details concerning the killing, which was in the minds of both boys, and he could have easily have stopped the killing, but chose not to do so the defence counsel said. The judge had asked Simon Hawksworth QC about his client's involvement in the murder of his wife. Still, the barrister told the judge that Howells continued to deny any involvement in the murder plot. Upon hearing those words, Mr Justice Elliot told the father of two, you were the instigator of this appalling crime and you suborned your sons into doing what they did. Over a period of months, if not years, you so groomed and indoctrinated their young minds in that they did what you wanted. They acted out what to them initially must have been unthinkable, while you were safely beyond suspicion as a participant. There cannot be anything more vile than to get your sons to kill their mother, unless it can be to confront cheerfully their long detention while you walk free. Notwithstanding any deficiencies in the deceased as a wife and a mother, she did nothing to warrant the terrible death she suffered. Yours is by far the greatest culpability, and I shall reflect that in my recommendation. David Howells was sentenced to life imprisonment, with both of his sons facing an indefinite term. The judge would be highlighting the case of matricide to the Home Secretary, making sure it was known that John played a lesser role than his older brother. Glenn Howells, who ended his mother's life, later learned he would be facing a minimum of 10 years in prison, and his younger brother John would need to serve seven. For the murder, their father David was facing a life sentence. However, the judge's recommendation to the Home Secretary was not made public at the time. The sentence turned out to be a minimum of 18 years. The trio had spent over a year on remand, which would be deducted from the time they would have to serve. 
unlike today. During 1997, sentencing on a minimum term for life was ultimately decided by the Home Secretary, after a recommendation from the judge. However, following a landmark ruling, this practice was abolished from December 18, 2003 onwards. It was found to be unlawful. Any person whose minimum term was set by the Home Secretary prior to this date had the right for their sentence to be reviewed at the High Court. They could be lowered or kept the same, but not increased. It is now the judge who retains the discretion to determine a minimum term. The tabloids were quick to point to the influence behind the actions of Glenn and John Howells. The papers chose not to focus on the plot they had concocted with their father, or question why he did nothing to protect them from their mother, but instead blame was placed squarely at the feet of Evelyn Howells, whom they had murdered. It was written she had been the one to turn her children evil, and because of the abuse it was Evelyn's, quote, invisible fingerprints that marked the hammer that ended her life. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. 
Visit scentair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Scentair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Scentair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Scentair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. One year and one month since the trial, media reports announced that John Howells, 14 at the time of his mother's murder, was granted leave to appeal his sentence. The judges recognised the abuse the boys had suffered. John's brother Glenn, who ended his mother's life with a hammer, had made no attempt to argue the verdict. Although the boy's father had sought leave to appeal, his application was refused by Lord Justice Swinton Thomas, Mr Justice Hidden and Mr Justice Astor. It was unsuccessfully argued at the Court of Appeal that the actions of police breached both David Howell's human rights and the Police and Criminal Evidence Act when Howell's conversation with his sons was secretly recorded. Issue was also taken with the judge's summary of the case. However, the arguments were dismissed as the appeal judges felt Mr Justice Elliott correctly allowed the evidence to be submitted. Their ruling read, This was about as horrific a crime as one can imagine. Not only according to the Crown's case, did David Howells plan the violent murder of his wife, but he involved his two young teenage sons in it. Furthermore, he distanced himself from the murder by being absent from the house when it occurred. Counsel for David Howell's youngest son, John, successfully contended that because the judge, Mr Justice Elliott, did not allow his client to put forward either psychiatric evidence or the argument of provocation before the jury, the appeal should be granted. Though the appeal judges did not believe this made the verdict unsafe, they did feel this made the issue arguable. Aidan Marin QC had highlighted Section 3 of the Homicide Act 1957, which read, Where on a charge of murder, there is evidence on which the jury can find that the person charged was provoked, whether by things done or by things said or both together, to lose his self-control. The question whether the provocation was enough to make a reasonable man do as he did shall be left to be determined by the jury. And in determining that question, the jury shall take into account everything both done and said according to the effect which, in their opinion, it would have on a reasonable man. That same year in 1998, 
three appeal court judges at the Royal Courts of Justice reviewed the evidence against John Howells and his conviction. Aidan Marin QC presented his submissions to Lord Justice Kennedy, Mr Justice Jowlett and Mr Justice Astle. There were two planks to the defence's case, which had been raised when John Howells was granted leave to appeal. His defence counsel, Aidan Marin QC, contended that it was wrong for the trial judge to not admit psychiatric evidence before the jury, which he believed highlighted John was liable to fantasise. Trial judge Mr Justice Elliott ruled that Glenn, who killed his mother with the hammer, could call on evidence from a clinical psychiatrist, but not his brother John. The judge concluded... In my view, there is here no evidence that John was provoked, no evidence that as a result of provocation he lost his self-control. Evidence from the psychiatrist Dr Peter Wood, produced after he met John Howells, mentioned John's mental state which could have been influenced by what he was subjected to by his mother. It read, The characteristics identified have made John Howells very vulnerable to retreat into a fantasy world, as many unhappy adolescents do, but to a greater extent. This meant it was contended that John may not have understood the outcome of his actions when he helped dispose of the evidence. He may not have been a consenting party in the joint enterprise to kill his mother. It was argued that being there was, quote, abundant evidence before the jury to show that the deceased's behaviour towards both of her sons over the years was such that it might, in certain circumstances, give rise to an adverse reaction on the part of either of them. Even the appeal judges recognised Evelyn's behaviour in their ruling when they wrote it was, accepted in evidence that the deceased seemed to be a tyrant. In the second submission to the appeal judges, Aidan Marin QC said his client's conviction was unsafe, as the jury were unable to consider a verdict of provocation on the part of John, in spite of the same opportunity being offered to his older brother Glenn. Marin protested that based on the evidence, the jury could well have concluded that John was somehow involved in the physical act of taking his mother's life, not just the planning. There were injuries to Evelyn's head and neck, which were inflicted by two separate surfaces. The injuries could have been caused by using two different ends of the hammerhead, which seemed to be the most obvious explanation. Another possibility that the pathologist was unable to exclude was that as there could have been two weapons, that could feasibly mean they were two assailants. Equally, it was argued that if two ends of the hammer were used, it was possible that the second assailant reversed the hammer. In John's interview, he even referred to getting rid of the quote, weapons. In response to the two submissions, 
Lord Justice Kennedy, Mr Justice Jowlett and Mr Justice Astle were quick to dismiss the first argument that the trial judge erred when he did not allow the evidence from the clinical psychiatrist Dr Peter Wood. They recognised John Howell's position and the abuse he had endured. However, upon reviewing an initial report by the doctor, the judges highlighted a passage that stood out. It read, At no time is he likely to have lost the ability to discriminate between reality and fantasy, or right or wrong. A further detailed report by the doctor was only finalised partway through the trial, after John had testified. Hence the judge had to make his decision during the legal proceedings. The judge based the admissibility of further reports on the findings of the initial assessment. The appeal judges could not find anything that specifically mentioned that John's mental functioning was impaired. They did not believe they could realistically rule in favour of the defence on this matter. A second submission was then addressed which dealt with John Howells being unable to use the defence of provocation. Had he been able to, Aidan Marin QC pointed out, the jury might have reached a different decision. But again, the appeal judges pointed to comments made by the doctor. Dr Peter Wood highlighted that, quote, In my view, there is here no evidence that John was provoked. No evidence that as a result of provocation, he lost his self-control. Furthermore, in none of the interviews did John mention that he felt he was provoked following abuse from his mother. Also, based on the lack of evidence, the judges concluded that it was clear that John did not wield the hammer. This was never mentioned by either John, his brother or their father. And finally, even if the jury were allowed to consider the defence of provocation based on the fact that they rejected the evidence of provocation from his brother Glenn, with whom he had been charged together on a murder involving joint enterprise. There was little possibility of John being found not guilty. So for a second time, the judge was right to exclude the evidence. The appeal judges ruled that John Howell's conviction was safe, and the appeal was rejected. Over the next four years, the father and sons faced the harsh reality of their new circumstances in prisons and youth detention facilities. But this did not stop the legal arguments entirely. Glenn and John Howells did not argue how their mother died and acknowledged that she did not deserve to be killed with a hammer. But Glenn Howells' counsel submitted that it was not an act of murder. Glenn claimed that he felt trapped and had no other option as he sought to end the mental abuse he was subjected to. John argued that he was coerced by his father and older brother. 
his counsel highlighted that John played a lesser part in the act. Defence barristers for the brothers admitted that the minimum terms their clients were to serve before they could be released on licence were excessive given the circumstances. In 2002, those terms were reviewed by the then Lord Chief Justice Lord Wolfe. Reviewing the evidence, he agreed at least in part with the claims the sentences were excessive. Glen Howell's sentence of a decade was reduced to nine years. John Howell's sentence was also reduced by six months. He faced a new minimum term of six and a half years. David Howell's troubles did not end after his murder conviction. From behind bars at Wakefield Prison, the man it was said who acted as the instigator behind his wife's murder was being pursued through the courts for unpaid legal fees. Seven years after his conviction in June 2004, Howell's appeared before Huddersfield Magistrates Court. Although his home was sold and the family's estate divided, after the troll the money that David would have made was earmarked for the prosecution's legal costs. £45,000. While he did not have this amount of money, he did have £19,000. This, however, had not been used to settle his debt. Howells was told that if he did not make the payment in the next few months he would be facing another year in prison when his minimum sentence came to an end. That period of notice came and went. According to reporting by Yorkshire Live, an extra year would be added to his sentence. So where are we now? In February 2008, just over 12 years into his sentence factoring in time on remand, David Howell sought to have his minimum term behind bars reviewed, as was his legal right, considering his sentence was determined by the Home Secretary before changes to the law. Much like his sons before him, Howells, now in his late fifties, had the opportunity to argue his sentence. Howells' defence counsel presented a case which admitted that as both Glenn and John Howells had seen a reduction in their sentences, this produced an inconsistency between a father and his sons for the crime of murder, in which they all played a part. Mrs. Justice Swift acknowledged that she saw Evelyn Howell's, quote, many deficiencies as a wife and mother. However, the judge felt this was not a defence for murder. She highlighted the degree of planning and premeditation. Howell's had 
prepared his alibi with care. In her ruling, the judge remarked, There was little, if any, mitigation available to Howells. All that could be said was that he had been exposed to the stress of living with a difficult woman who had been unfaithful to him and made his life and that of his sons a misery. Despite Howell's sons seeing a reduction in their sentences and their fathers remaining the same, the judge did not see an imbalance. Quote, Given the youth of Glenn and John Howells, the applicant's position as their father and the influence he must undoubtedly have wielded over them, a considerable disparity in tariff was both appropriate and inevitable. David Howell's minimum term of 18 years would remain unchanged. This meant that with time on remand, he was allowed to apply for parole in October 2013, although this did not mean he would be released on that date. And even if he were to be allowed out, Howells would remain on licence for the rest of his life, effectively living under supervision. Suppose he were to be recalled for an infraction on his licence conditions. In that case, a parole board could well place him back in prison indefinitely, where Howells' continued detention would be reviewed every two years. At the time of this recording, the whereabouts of David Howells and his two sons are unknown. Details from the National Probation Service are not a matter of public record. That said, in all probability, given the length of their sentences, Glenn and John Howells have been released. Experts at the trial and lawmakers recognise that through their ill treatment at the hands of their mother the brothers had been emotionally damaged. This was reflected in the sentences they received. The earliest David Howells could have been released on parole was towards the end of 2013. And Mrs Justice Swift's ruling against a reduction in David Howells' minimum sentence, she viewed the surviving family's motive was to, quote, rid themselves of the person whom they considered was making their lives a misery. It seems by planning a brutal end to the life of Evelyn Howells, David and his sons Glenn and John had done a good enough job of inflicting that misery on themselves. for listening and a special thanks to our Patreon supporters for more information on this episode 
please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.